Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When we think of miracles, very often it is hard for us to think about anything but just kind of a display of power. If you're in the pagan world, grew up in the world that surrounded Israel, this was what seemed to be miracles or the intervention of the gods. Wasn't always for any other purpose besides what the selfish will of the gods were because Who knows what they're up to up there, and then they just kind of come down here and create a big old mess. Also for us who have been shaped and formed, especially in the past, I'll say decade, with the ever-expanding like Marvel Cinematic Universe, etc., this kind of constant displays of power that don't really seem to have any goal besides the fact that somebody has got some kind of power, something that they have. So it's hard for us sometimes when we come and we hear or we read or encounter a miracle of our Lord. We think this is some kind of display of power. And on some level, it is. We're talking about the creator of the universe. But our Lord's miracles, and when God does something wonderful there's more much more than just a mere trick or a mere showing off it is God's way of waking us up God's way of bringing us to him probably more fundamentally we forget how often life itself is a miracle that we are walking, talking, that we have all of the things that we have, the cars that we drive, but even more fundamentally, the trees, the birds, the insects. If you just take a minute and think about just the base of what exists, and then of course there's humanity, what we've created, what we've done, and it is astonishing. And so we take it for granted because we're just surrounded by all of this incredible, awesome miracle of life itself. That we forget our utter and complete dependence upon God. That without him saying, yes, you exist. And not only you exist, but I uphold all of this. This is a constant Miracle that God wills, governs, sustains everything. And if he was to take it away, nothing. The abyss. God's will governs all things, as the Gospels tell us, as our Lord tells us. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. His will governs all and constantly sustains us because he awaits our repentance, constantly calling us. From the blade of grass to the rain that falls to that annoying squirrel on the roof. All of these things call to us and remind us of who God is and what he has for us. 
This morning in the miracle of our Lord and this incredible catch from the sea, we encounter a deep way, the depth of God, the way in which God calls to us, the way in which God desires to convert us, the way in which God desires to not only convert us, but then turn around and employ us and return us to that place that we had from with Adam and Eve of old. So this morning we're going to talk about the gospel passage, and throughout we're going to interweave little bits from the life of St. Sergius of Radonezh, as we have not only the icon of Simon Peter's obedience and our Lord's working of the miracle, but we have the life of St. Sergius who gives us little portraits of what we can learn from our Lord and the miracles that he does with and for us. Our Lord finds Simon Peter and the others sitting on the shore after a long day, long evening of work. And he asks to use their boat and he pushes out because he's, of course, as our Lord is, he always has folks around who are ready to listen to him. And he puts out into the water and he teaches the multitudes. Simon Peter, of course, is working, putting the nets up, probably planning what he has to do for the day when he's actually going to get some sleep. And then after our Lord stops teaching, he turns to Simon, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. You can see Simon Peter taking a big breath because he's exhausted. He's already put in his, let's be honest, probably more than eight hours of work of putting out nets and tending to it in the evening. And Simon Peter answers, Master, we have toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. One of the first things that we learn from this morning's pericope from the gospel is Simon Peter's obedience. Notice his, his obedience is not after the miracle. He doesn't know that there's a miracle coming. He has heard his teaching. He's got nothing besides probably an aching lower back. His hands are probably a little cut up. There's a little bit of blood maybe from the nets. But yet, after hearing our Lord, he responds to our Lord and he pushes out into the deep. The fathers see this launching into the deep as the disciples turning into a complete life dedicated of prayer and struggle. A life of prayer that delves into the depth of God himself. God calls, God invites, or God commands and man responds. And whether or not he's tired or whether or not, however he is disposed at the moment, he obeys and he pushes out into the deep. This is what St. Sergius did in his entire life. I encourage you, of course, to go and read the life of St. Sergius of Radonezh. He is one of the great 
uh, early luminaries of Russia. His relics in Chernysurgis Lavra, they're outside of Moscow. To this day, they have continual prayers and akathists to him before, and I can tell you there's always a crowd. When I was blessed to go and visit and venerate his relics, there was the entire church for the day was full and constant people flowing in and out. Because St. Sergius himself, when he heard the call from God as his desire, he pushed out into a life of solitude and prayer and simple labor. This example to plunge into the depth, no matter a life that he could have led, he could have gone into an established monastery. He could have his parents were well off. He could have just stayed and tended to the estate. But in his trust and faith in God, he denied all of these things and he went out into the wilderness and sought God. Do you all remember trust falls? Everyone remembers a trust fall if you've done it. They especially like to do this in youth camp. Do they do this at Camp St. Thecla? Do they do trust falls? No? Oh. It's an insurance issue? Wow. This example, okay. Well, I'm going to go with the trust fall. It still is an example even though there's liability issues. So, you can recall that time where you know especially if you've done it before. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. There's always that, okay, we're going to do this. So those who don't know, especially little ones, the trust fall, you basically climb up on a platform. What do you think, about six foot in the air? And those who are with you are supposed to catch you. But you're supposed to, and you get up on the top, right? You're supposed to cross your arms. Interesting, I never really thought about that. You're supposed to cross your arms. Why? Because when you're going down, you don't want to fling out your arms and hit somebody in the eye. There's probably the insurance company's violence. You're supposed to just let go and go backwards. Now, the first person, of course, is probably the most brave, or they've done it 10, 15, 20 times, so they know what's going to happen. This is a team-building exercise, right? This is how you're going to grow in trust. That's why it's called a trust fall. Because there's nothing like, because if they don't catch you, you're going to hit the ground and it's going to hurt a lot. It could probably really hurt you. But the trust fall, this is just a little example of what it means to have faith in God. But it's even greater because this isn't just people that you just met earlier in the day. We know from all of Israel's history, we know from the apostles, we know, of course, in God's raising of his own son. We have, through the example of all the saints, St. Saint Sergius especially, as we commemorate and think of him today, we know that faith, there is in walking out in faith or stepping out in faith. This is not just that blind leap of faith that you've heard talked about, maybe in college, where you don't really know and you just kind of jump into the abyss. That's not what faith is. Faith is a response, a response, response to the call, the command of God to actually trust him. And even though you don't understand fully, you're ready to commit and you're all in and you're going to fall knowing that he's going to catch you. And of course, making the sign of the cross as you go down without 
doing this, but as if you're going to receive Holy Communion. We have, this is what trust is. If you want a better translation, because faith seems to have kind of churchness to it, right? Faith is trust. You trust God. So you're not going to worry about money. You trust God. So therefore, you are not uh, holding grudges. You are forgiving. You trust and have faith in God so that you're not worrying about X, Y, and Z or what possibly could happen. But you make the sign of the cross and say, if it is God's will, it is God's will. He will take care of me. This plunging into the deep is our ability that God asks of us to create the space necessary for God to show up. Well, God shows up because once they put those nets down, they realize very quickly they're going to need help. So they call the other boat out and they pull up so much fish. What happens here in the miracle? What happens to the boat? The boats start to sink. Can you imagine how many fish this is? This is an incredible bounty of fish. I'm sure Simon Peter's like, how can I get Jesus to come out every evening so I don't have to be out here all hours of the night? The miracle of this great catch is our Lord teaching us not only his providence, not only calling and commanding us to trust him, but it's also that we are actually utterly powerless on our own. Right? Peter, they weren't able to catch anything. And so God underlines, with me, you need help to deal with the blessings. God is constantly tutoring, shaping, forming us, calling us, shaping us into who we are to be, who we really are, teaching us who he is, that he can be trusted, that he rains down blessings upon us. His miracles and the miracles that surround his friends, the saints, are always meant to awaken us back to the fundamental truth of God. They're apocalypses, right? They're unveilings. They are shaking us out of our slumber. They are making us see for the first time that God is that God provides, that we are desperately in need of him, that we have, as we heard in the epistle this morning from St. Paul, that the treasure that we have is in earthen vessels, that we are just earthen vessels. We're not steel, we're not iron, we're just dirt that carries treasure, that the excellence of the power of God is not of us, this dust that we are, but it's from him. Because as we know, without him, we can do nothing. Like, literally nothing. We can't do anything. We can't breathe. We don't exist. So when he gives abundance, we are reminded, <laughs> we don't have anything. We have nothing to really offer and give except what he has given to us that we are empty and when we realize that we're empty and very often especially these days we remember our how empty we are 
But we don't turn to God. We turn to all sorts of other things. We turn to food. We turn to sex. We turn to power. We turn to money. We turn to whatever it is instead of God. When there seems to be no hope, we zone out. When things seem to be overwhelming, we drown ourselves. When we are despondent, we kind of like to uh, ramp up the despondency. Like, let's listen to more depressing music. Let's like set the mood to make ourselves more depressed. When we are beside ourselves, we tend to fan the flame of being beside ourselves, that we can't handle what's going on. Instead of all these, when we have no hope, we turn to the one who gives hope. When things are overwhelming, we turn to the one who makes all things still. When we are despondent, we turn to God. When we're beside ourselves with worry, we turn to the God of promises who always responds. This is exactly where the true living faith acts. This is falling into the arms of our Lord. St. Sergius Aradonej, as I've already told you, he went out. Instead of going to an established monastery, he went out and built his own little monastery. He only had a few people because he was out there. This was not where you had the brothers making your meals and then they you know, sit down when it's the, the, the time and then you go out and do your little obedience. This is roughing it. St. Sergius had a rule in his monastery that none of the monks were supposed to go anywhere to beg or to ask for food. So when food ran out, and this happened from time to time, St. Sergius would just pray and say, God is going to bring us food. We have nothing. We are nothing. We're going to completely trust in God. Can you imagine? Three days into one of these feats of faith, can you imagine what the brothers were like? Father Sergius, we're hungry. We're still out here cutting down logs. We need food. Sergius says, we're praying to God. God will provide. An hour later, knock on the door. We're out of here. We're done. In fact, we're going to go report you because this is ridiculous. So they're leaving. A huge arrival of bread. Somebody decided that they wanted to give it to the monastery. They have to come and apologize to St. Sergius because he told them, in faith, we're going to wait. God will provide. It tasted, the text tells us, like just the bread itself, butter and honey. We see Simon Peter as soon as he realizes what our Lord has done. What is his reaction to our Lord? He worships him. He falls down before him. He tells him, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. He realizes he's woken up. He's fully aware. God stands before me. God works miracles to return us to him. They're not little flashes of power. They're not just uh, where power somehow escapes or it's just that he's some kind of I'm trying to think Marvel character or something along these lines. Or that he's got power and therefore his selfishness that he does things. All of these things that he does, they are a blessing to us and they are to return us to him. We must constantly keep before us the blessings of God. They drive us to repentance. 
And it's so easy for us to forget the blessings and the hand of God in our lives. There's a time where I visited, I was a few months, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly the timeline of this, into being Orthodox. And I had read stories about miracles, about myrrh streaming icons, about uh, the saints. And I was in Boston visiting a church. They were doing a serv- the service before the Divine Liturgy, the Matins, and their tradition. And I noticed on the icon, many icons, uh, the deacon doors in Orthodox churches are usually typically angels. We have deacons on the deacons' doors. And they typically have a little globe. And from that globe, I could see about where Reader Gregory, maybe more like where Leo is back there. I could see that it was shining, it was shimmering. And I could see oil just flowing off. It's just an icon on the iconostas, just flowing down the icon. I, you know, it was one of those things. Oh, I'm seeing something that I've read about. <laughs> what is going on here? I go and I ask in the choir somebody that I knew, is that? And they're like, oh yeah, that happens from time to time. The, the orb that the angel is holding, the world, it just starts streaming myrrh. We're just kind of used to it at this point. I was thunderstruck, right? But you know what happened? Two months after that, later that day, I'd completely forgot about it. God showing me his providence, his own angel, the icon of the angel with myrrh streaming from it. And it just, I encounter it, incredible. And then I just go back What's for lunch? (laughs) Whatever. I don't care. I got to get to my next thing. When we recognize and see God, we should be driven to repentance. We should especially be driven to thanksgiving. At the end of this encounter of our Lord with Simon Peter and the other apostles, apostles to be, Jesus tells Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Not only do miracles reveal God to us, call us to him, ask for our repentance and and entering into communion with him. It is God's blessings and showering of abundance upon us that he restores us to where we should be, as Adam and Eve are restored. That he then employs us to spread that grace, that blessing. This is especially evident in the wedding service. When we crown and we marry, when Jesus Christ marries a man and a woman together, he, the prayers are constantly that in the blessings that you receive from this household that you are to create, others around you will be blessed. Out of your abundance you will bring that abundance out to the community. That we are to live, as Paul tells us in the epistle, that we are always being delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. That God in his abundance wants not only to bless us, but return us and employ us and use us. The example of St. Sergius in this, as you can imagine, his, the story of him goes throughout the lands. You have a Greek bishop, there's a story of a Greek bishop who didn't believe that there could actually be a saint like this alive at the time. 
we're talking about was the early 1400s, late 1300s here. And they're already like, is there saints like this? Are there people like this? I've read about this. So he's, he wants to go see St. Sergius. He goes, he's blinded along the way. He can't see. He comes and he approaches St. Sergius. And St. Sergius basically tells him, blesses him. His eyes are open and he says, believe in God. <laughs> This life of solitude, prayer, the plumbing of the depths. God blessed him, St. Sergius, because throughout Russia, there's monasteries that go far out. And they are the spiritual grandchildren of St. Sergius. Around Moscow and around the Golden Ring, there are many monasteries that all trace themselves back to St. Sergius. One man, one vessel, one person catching men. Blessed an entire country for generations, for centuries, to this day. This is the same for us. And what God desires for you to bless not only you, but your family and those who are around you. Let's awaken to God's constant life-giving grace. Let us plunge into the depth of his love, giving ourselves completely over to him. Let us constantly recognize this grace and love and repent. And finally, let us share the graces of God with others. Let us introduce others to the depth, to the abyss of God's love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.